0: 2525 now here are phil chris and pat with tonight's
1: edition of sports talk all right welcome in everybody it is the eve the eve of national signing day december for 2022 great to have you with us phil cornblut pat daniel here at the dave and buster studios in columbia we will be at dave and buster's in columbia tomorrow night to help celebrate national signing day december 2022 and we have from the Berge Palace and the beautiful burg of the PD of Sardis, it is our man, Chris Bergen. So the Gamecocks, they are on fire. They are simply on fire when it comes to recruiting and filling out their class here for 2023. And it looks like they're getting good players. Looks like they're getting good players. Just a few moments ago, Reed McKeska tied in out of uh, Texas, Cypress, Texas, who visited over the weekend. He had been committed to Miami for the longest time. Prior to that, he'd been committed to Clemson. He announced a commitment to the Gamecocks. Tied in, second tight end of the afternoon, following on the heels of Arkansas transfer Trey Knox committing to the Gamecocks this afternoon. Four-year player at Arkansas. I mean, he started playing from his freshman year, contributing as a true freshman. Played all the way through, of course, this year. Had a really good career at Arkansas with 81 catches, about 900 yards. And this year, for example, against Cincinnati in their season opening game, he had six catches for 75 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Best game of the season for him. And tonight, it'll be a shock if Elijah Davis from East Mississippi Community College and Wagner Sally doesn't announce for the Gamecocks as well a guy they've been on since he was in high school. They knew he was going to have to go the junior college route. The recruiting for him started with Will Muschamp and continued when Shane Beamer came on board with his staff. And now tonight, 8 o'clock, he's going to uh, post his uh, commitment announcement. He's been to South Carolina. He was at Tennessee as well. Tennessee would probably be the biggest competitor there. Uh, For him, if there is a competitor for South Carolina in this particular case, Uh, Florida was in on him and Alabama was in on him. So the Gamecocks have momentum, momentum, uh, rolling into national signing day, December, uh, tomorrow. And of course, tomorrow we'll be up with the birds. Don't really like to be up with the birds, but we'll be up with the birds and we'll be tweeting things as they happen as the schools announced their signees, tweeting that and aggregating everything on our website, sportstalksc.com, and then culminating everything with our show tomorrow night from Dave and Buster's out in Harbison, in Columbia. So we got all that going on. Oh, and tonight, just for you, well, longtime recruit nuts and younger recruit nuts, you know, those who are just now kind of dipping your toe into the shark infested recruiting waters. We have a special, (laughs) special Chalk Talk for you tonight. Two guys who, in their day, were two of the best recruiters in the country, Chuck Reedy and Ellis Johnson. They could get it done. I mean, they were responsible for some of the biggest signings at Clemson and at South Carolina in their respective days. And, of course, Ellis, having also coached at Clemson and coached at Alabama and Auburn, and Southern Miss and the Citadel and have I left out anybody I'm sure I have I mean he's responsible for a bunch of a bunch of signings and of course Chuck at Baylor so what we're going to do with them at seven o'clock a chalk talk session where we talk about the inner workings of recruiting like how do you build a relationship with a recruit when do you know to push for a commitment how do you accept a commitment how do you know you want to accept a commitment um, and other things, maybe some stories from the recruiting trail. So I think between the 7:05 uh, and 8 o'clock hour, we're going to have some fun talking with those two grizzled veterans of the recruiting wars about their days on the trail. Chris, as as you don't it's don't been a crazy day.
2: As long as you don't refer to them as grizzled veterans, I'm sure we'll have a good time. But speaking of recruiting, and and to answer your question, my day has been good, taking care of some holiday stuff. Earlier today, we've got the in-laws coming in in the next day or so, so uh, trying to get the house in somewhat order, Uh, but uh, looking forward to that. But I had a friend of mine, and he's under the impression, and I wanted to pose this to you because you are the unquestioned recruiting guru in the state of South Carolina.
1: No, no, I am not. I am not. Maybe I was 20-something years ago, but not today. But anyway, thank you for saying so.
2: His question is, he is under the impression that anyone who signs tomorrow in an early signing period is eligible to practice with said team. For instance, Trey Knox, uh, obviously the uh, uh, McKeska kid that is about ready to sign with South Carolina. Could they indeed travel with the team to Jacksonville And anybody Clemson signs tomorrow,
1: travel down to Miami,
2: and at least practice with the team?
1: The answer is Yes. If you're enrolling mid-year, if you're enrolling mid-year and you go ahead and sign and you want to, you can join the team and you can practice. You can't play in the game. This is already happening. Uh, One of South Carolina's uh, commitments, Howard, uh, the linebacker from Jacksonville, I think he's already in and practicing. I think all you have to do is sign your scholarship papers, not your letter of intent, but your scholarship papers, I guess is my understanding. Because you can't sign the letter of intent until tomorrow, 7 o'clock. So I guess scholarship papers is what you need to sign. And you can, if you're enrolling early, you can go ahead and, and start practicing with the team. Um, so, yeah, that's happening. Clemson's got some doing the same thing. And they can travel. they can travel with them to the bowl site and practice. But they can't play in the game.
2: So the school would be responsible for getting them down there because now they are technically athletes. I'm like you, I'm I'm leery of calling them student-athletes anymore, but they are athletes for those universities, so they're basically on the team. So I I guess my question was, was it fair to teams who have already played bowl games, but if you had already enrolled and at least signed your scholarship papers and say you're playing for Eastern Michigan, who is playing right now, You could have legitimately, if you wanted to, traveled with them to Boise, Idaho, Mm. to get ready for the uh, bowl game today. Now,
1: who wants to do that in December, right? (laughs) That would be one I would say, I'll pass on that. Yeah, I'll wait on you guys until January. I'll pass on that. Uh, Yeah, but to answer your question, yeah, that is totally totally legit. You know, the NCAA, over the years, they've just given and given and given to the players. Like this year, they, you know, waived the rule about the four-game rule Mm-hmm. And your red shirt, you know, this year you can play. If you've already played four games, they can play you in the bowl game. You won't burn your red shirt. That's a rule that came out uh, about a week or so ago, I right. think. And they were evaluating, um, you know, I think they're trying to help teams that are losing players to opt-outs and trans- transfers. It's leaving player, It's leaving teams very thin in some areas. And I guess this is a way of alleviating that without, penalizing the player who you were hoping to to redshirt and, and save his year. So a lot of stuff um, happening today, of course, on the recruiting side of things. Uh, Clemson is pretty quiet. Looks like the Tigers are just going to wait and sign one more uh, tomorrow. That's the running back, Haynes, out of Alabama. And Barring anything uh, happening there at the, at the last hour, I think they're pretty much set with their class unless they do find a, a transfer that they want to bring in so far that uh, the Tigers have been, once again, pretty passive, Chris, on the transfer market. South Carolina, very aggressive on the transfer market, benefiting from it. Clemson, very passive with the transfer market. They might take this quarterback, Tyson, who is the great-grandson of Bear Bryant, and have him as a Hunter Johnson-type guy, a guy you don't mm-hmm. expect to play, but just have him as an emergency. That's not really using the, the, the transfer market to your benefit, I don't think. Shane Beamer. Has he you know, come in, and he said from the outset, you know, it's part of the, it's part of the process now. It's there to be used, and he's going to use it. And he has gone aggressively. That's now with the uh, commitment of Trey Knox. That's now three transfers uh, committed to South Carolina, transfers from another school, and uh, they might not be done. As a matter of fact, hmm, this is now. This might be a first. This might be a first. Hale McGranahan of the Big Spur had a story uh, last night for his readers and then we retweeted it later on that um, a player who's from Sumter went to Crestwood High School. His name is Joshua Simon. And he's a tight end. And he plays at Western Kentucky. And he's in the transfer of Portal John. And they have a bowl game coming up tomorrow. But as, as Hale put it, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when he's going to uh, commit to South Carolina. But McGranahan wrote that Simon took an official visit to South Carolina this past weekend <laughs> while his team has a bowl game coming up on Wednesday. Now, I've been trying to wrap my head around that one. Um, that's got to be a first, right? You took a, an official visit the weekend prior to your team's bowl game? I've never heard of that before. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to think. Um, NC
2: State's in a bowl, right? They aren't. Mm-hmm. Devin Leary went to Auburn this past weekend, but he's not. He's not playing. He play? Though. Yeah. No. See, I guess the yeah. closest thing I could think of would be Grayson McCall, right? At Coastal Carolina, but he didn't go anywhere. He didn't, he didn't go to Auburn last weekend, but no. he is going to play in the bowl game, albeit announcing he's going elsewhere. So yeah. I, I I think you maybe you may have hit on something that may be a first. I mean,
1: not only are you taking an <laughs> official visit. And your team's going to be playing in a bowl game. The bowl game is just three days away, so I'm just Why trying you to take figure him? out. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out. Well, he had to take it, I guess, because it was the last weekend.
2: No, 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 no. I'm talking about his current team. Why would you even involve him in the bowl practice if he's doing? Well, that I mean, I, say,
1: I think schools at that level just understand that their top players are going to transfer in a lot mm-hmm. of cases, and they'd rather have them and use them for that one, that one bowl game and try and get a bowl victory with them than than. I mean, a coach could say, "We'll move on. We don't want you," but most coaches won't do that. They want to get that bowl win, yeah, very so that true. he can, so that he can move on. <laughs> <laughs> the coach at Western Kentucky, he wants to move on. I'm sure. I oh, was sure. Yeah. I mean, um, what a mess. So I just thought that that just was like, wow. I, I've never, I've never heard of that before. So the Gamecocks are really uh, beefing up on the tight end market because they've lost four tight ends off of last year's team, and of course, you've got Nick Harbor. Who's not going to sign until National Signing Day, February, and he's a tight end. He's a defensive end, so that's another one that they could add to the mix. I mentioned the Simon kid could be another one uh, that they add to the mix. There is also the tight end who's committed to Arkansas, who was in this past weekend that really likes South Carolina, that they could add to the mix. Now Trey Knox is an interesting. He's an interesting athlete because you know Clemson offered him in September of twenty seventeen out of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And um, he was a big wide receiver at that point. And they offered him. I don't think he ever visited Clemson. And he goes to Arkansas and he grows and he grows. Now he's 6'5", 245. And he's really kind of a a tied end with receiver skills. And um, can get down the field, can get down the seam. I looked at some highlights from him from a game in 2019. And, man, I tell you, he's very athletic. Yards after the catch. And, I mean... This is where your connections to Arkansas through two of your coaches really paid off, having uh, Justin Stepp, of course, recruited him when he was at Arkansas and, of course, knew him. And then um, the new offensive coordinator, uh, Dowell Loggins, knew him in Arkansas as well, coached him in Arkansas as the tight ends coach. So strong connections there. And when he hit the portal, it seemed to be pretty obvious that he was going to end up at South Carolina. So Gamecocks are doing great. We're going to do recruiting early, we'll go over the classes, we'll go over the other news of the day and other things that are going on. And uh, South Carolina, like I said, could very well end up getting Elijah Davis from uh, East Mississippi Junior College coming up tonight. Supposed to do something right around 8 o'clock. And then um, they'll have a few tomorrow that they'll be uh, hanging on, I guess. Uh, one of the big ones is Babalotti, the offensive lineman who was committed to them, decommitted from them. Uh, Feelings are he's going to recommit to South Carolina. He's been kind of teasing things um, throughout the day. Here's another thing in the rumor mill, guys, that I read just uh, checking out message boards and things like that. Yes, I glance at the message boards from time to time. They still exist. They do exist. They're thriving. (laughs) They're thriving. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd. Now, I don't know anything about this as being fact. Well, I'll say this. The guy who's the writer for uh, one of the uh, team websites that covers Maryland, has written and posted on their board up there that Maryland uh, apparently Lloyd wanted to go to Maryland and Maryland said no, turn what? him away. Yes, apparently they feel like they're good enough at running back already with what they've got. Have they watched themselves play the last I don't know two decades? Well, I'm just I'm just telling you what this guy wrote. Wow. And so and some people are thinking he might want to flip back to South Carolina. And if so, would you take him back if you're Shane Beamer?
2: I wouldn't. I mean, they need help at running back, obviously, and I think Marshawn Lloyd, a healthy Marshawn Lloyd, certainly fits that bill, but he left your program. He basically told you that he was coming back and then went home and changed his mind. I don't know how you can bring him back after that and trust that he's going to stick with you through one more season.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, Sometimes um, it depends on what his – if it were to come to that, of course, it depends on what his story is – how he um, tells his story and and how you feel about it at that particular time. Now, they've got the transfer running back uh, committed from Newberry, Mario Richardson. I'm sorry, Mario Anderson. Mario Anderson. And they've got a running back, a high school running back Braswell coming in and they're involved with a transfer running back from Oklahoma State Dominique Richardson. That's where Richardson comes from. Dominique Richardson. So uh, and you got Juju McDowell coming back, and um, so you might not need him, even though he's a quality player when healthy. The problem is he's just not been healthy exactly. during his time at South Carolina. Not his fault. I mean, you get hurt, you get hurt. It's not your fault, but they might feel like their running back rooms in pretty good shape, as it is. So we'll see if anything along those lines develop with that. Okay, uh, our phone number, if you want to uh, squeeze in a word, a comment or question, 888 2525 Pat, what you got? Just another two quick notes to add to that, one
3: involving an in-state quarterback, but both of these in- involving Auburn. Devin Leary, of course, has committed to Kentucky. I don't know if y'all saw that this afternoon. Yep. Wow, um, he, really? Yeah. So Hugh Freeze, who moved from Liberty to Auburn, has now missed out on what a lot of people are looking at as his top two quarterback targets. Grayson McCall also canceled an official visit he was going to take, or a visit he was going to take to go see the Auburn program through the portal as well. So now Auburn and Hugh Freeze, who I would think a lot of Auburn fans thought by bringing in Hugh Freeze that would bring an influx of talent, he would help on the recruiting trail, has now missed out on two, arguably the two biggest uh, quarterbacks in the portal, Mm. or two of the biggest. And and we're hearing a lot of Florida now on uh, Grayson McCall.
2: That appears to be the front-runner. And as I mentioned, what, two weeks ago, I think we, I, I saw where there was a betting line out. Mm. I didn't realize we had gotten to that point. But nonetheless, uh, where kids in the transport portal may end up in Florida was the front-runner. Now, Grayson, is, Grayson has the greatest poker face of any athlete I've been around. He's not going to tell you one way or the other, but I, it seems like that's the
1: direction in which he is leaning. Okay, let's go to the break, and we'll come back and uh, catch up on some of the other notes of the day. And uh, if you want to join us with a phone call, i uh, love to hear from you, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number. And Since 02, more than $4.2 billion in lottery proceeds have been used to fund scholarships and grants for South Carolina students. You can learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash educationwins. Playing for fun is a win for education. Back in a moment. I want to remind you that, you know, it's cold out there right now. I know. It's a little chilly. They're talking about zero. They're talking about zero this weekend. Come on. In South Carolina, come on. This ain't Chicago, okay? I was in Chicago. (laughs) I know what cold is. I know how it feels to have that cold wind burn your face. Not around here, right? But it won't last long, people. It won't last long. And you got to start thinking about spring and summer. Getting away for a weekend or getting away for uh, a lifetime, whatever the case may be, you want to get down to the beach and you want to head over to Pauly's Island and Litchfield and those places. And there's one place, one man to call. He stands tall above all. That's Jimmy Smith at James Smith Realty, Pauly's It might be cold now, but it's going to get hot later on, and you want to be prepared. To get away for a, a a warm vacation and dip your feet in the cool Atlantic Ocean. Let Jimmy find you a great place to vacation, a great place maybe to buy and stay for uh, forever. 843 237 4246. That's 843 237 4246. Your perfect beach getaway. Paulie's Vacation All right. Uh, Clemson running back, former. Kobe Pace will be in the ACC, the second Tiger to transfer within the league. Kobe Pace going to Virginia. He's announced, of course, earlier Dakari Collins announced that he would transfer to uh, NC State. We have met with a bunch of USC football players today. In fact, we'll bring you some of that. We'll hear from Juju McDowell coming up in just a little bit. And uh, the the, the tone was um, focused on Notre Dame. Love to beat the Irish. Be a great win for them. Happy for the guys. Happy for the guys that moved on to the NFL. They have no grudge against guys who are transferring out. You know, players are like, hey, everybody's got to do their own thing. They don't look at it the same way we do. You know,
2: you're right. You're right, and they don't, and never will. Uh, Players look at it entirely differently than fans and media do, and always have, and, and certainly always
1: will. Yeah. So I mean, that's the way they look at it. They wish them well, and it's next man up, and it's play with who you got. And they feel pretty good about what they're doing. A um, couple of things. Javon Gwynn will be playing his last game. He does have another year, but he said he will move on after the bowl game and go ahead and test the NFL for him. Luke Doty said he had never had any thoughts of leaving. On Joyner said he never had any thoughts about not playing in the bowl game. Not sure about what he's going to do next year at this time. And uh, let's see what else to tell you about. Um, see
2: Pat Narduzzi's accusation about yeah. uh, Drake May today?
1: Yeah, what would you think of that? Why don't you tell people?
2: Pat Narduzzi, who is the head coach at Pittsburgh, said on a radio station, I'm assuming up in Pittsburgh, uh, that he's heard that two schools offered uh, UNC quarterback Drake May $5 million to transfer. Now, of course, he won't come out and say who, but which he says he knows problem, who. Which is part of the problem.
1: <laughs> exactly. And it's part of the problem within uh-uh. that entire fraternity. Is and we'll talk with Ellis and Chuck about this this kind of stuff. Okay, if you got the goods on somebody, then why don't you go public with it and really expose? What are you What are you afraid mm-hmm.
2: of? Yeah, backlash. Uh, you would think that would level the playing field a little bit because unless he's afraid to say that you know he blames, let's say, Florida State for trying to pay five million dollars, unless he doesn't have when he, he's, <laughs> he doesn't have evidence. Right, or he's actually paying – or he's the other team that's paying him $5 million to try and move.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, if you live in a glass house, you shouldn't throw rocks, right? And um, Mm -hmm. that would be a boulder, to say the least. Remember, Uh,
3: Narduzzi last year accused Lincoln Riley and them of tampering regarding their
1: uh, wide receiver, Addison, who was one of the top receivers in the country. mm -hmm. But can he prove it? That's the thing. I mean, why do you – it's one thing to make these accusations, but you – you need to step out and prove it if, if you are one of those who feel like it's wrong, and it is wrong, uh, to tamper. You know there's a lot of tampering going on. Maybe not so much coaching staff to coaching staff, but you got people in the backyard of the, the prospects talking to the prospects and saying, hey, you might want to consider transferring to this place. They need people at your position. We'll be back. Welcome you back to Sports Talk. Hey, it's good to see Chris Bergen on the stream. I'm tired of dominating the <laughs> the big screen here on the Sports Talk uh, YouTube and Sports Talk Facebook. You, you Sports Talk uh, Twitter. They don't see my face. They want to see the young face of Chris Bergen and the voice of the Shauna Clears. By the way, the Shauna uh, Clear women come to Columbia for a noon game Ooh. with the top ranked Gamecocks tomorrow. Uh, you coming in to call that game?
2: I am not. Mm. Uh, Kyle Rush handles the uh, women's basketball well, for Coastal. Good luck to him. Yeah, he'll get to see a really good team. <laughs> Coastal's playing better. But yeah. Uh, yeah, they're not quite to that level They're no. close.
1: And at twelve o'clock, too. That'll be, be a
2: fun game, actually, because they'll have a bunch of elementary school kids, I'm sure, at that mm-hmm. ball game. So uh if you tune in, you'll hear a lot of screaming.
1: <laughs> a lot <laughs> of high pitched screams. Uh, no I would doubt. Say. They'll
2: have a bunch of kids at of, that ball game. A lot
1: of high pitched screams. And a uh, lot of no ice doubt. cream. Uh, by the way, stream. by the way, good to see the Packers win yesterday, last night after we left here. Good, hard-fought victory in the cold. There, starting to pay a little more attention now to the NFL because we have hope. We have hope that uh, we can make the playoffs. Got to win out. Got to win the next three. Get a little bit of help. But I didn't get a chance to talk about this last night because my brain was so fried after traveling and things just weren't popping into my brain. But my goodness, what a what a Sunday, what a weekend in the NFL. And what a weekend for incredible plays and incredible no-calls. I mean, the, the play in the end of the Patriots-Raiders game will go down as one of the all-time greats. And the no-call in the end of the Redskins game, I think, will go down as, well, not one of the all-time because it was not the playoffs. But mm. that was just a complete, absolute, and total blunder by the officials. How you cannot call pass interference, holding, what all tackling, uh, whatever you want to call on the defensive player. I mean the Redskins just got purely robbed on that play. But what about what happened in the Raiders Patriots game? That's just something so bizarre. It's just hard to imagine that would happen in the NFL.
2: And you have not mentioned probably the biggest story from the weekend, and that was Indianapolis blowing a 30-point no. lead to Minnesota.
1: Yeah, yep, yep, <laughs> yep. You're exactly right. I mean, it's, it's 33. crazy. Wasn't it a 33-point lead? Weren't they it, up 33 it, 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 to nothing? To 33? I think it was 33 to nothing, and they ended up getting beat. How about that? If I'm Matt Ryan, I just retire and say, look, football
2: is not for me. I blew the biggest lead ever in the Super Bowl <laughs> and now I've won the biggest me. lead ever, ever in a regular season game. This is I've got to go find something else to do. I mean, that's a game you cannot, obviously, you cannot lose. It's not going to matter for the Colts. Yeah. But that was that's huge for Minnesota because they're playing for home field in the NFC. Uh,
1: our poll question of the week here on Sports Talk, uh, tis the season to transfer in college football. In your opinion, what is the primary reason? A player will transfer 351 votes in the House, and 35.9% say. Up, up, up. Back it up. 61%, 61% say nil opportunities today. The number one reason. 35.9% say playing time. So nil opportunities over playing time. Uh, 2.6% a coaching change and. 0.6% now say academics.
2: I, I appreciate you putting that on there, Phil. Uh, but I'd, I'd love to meet the uh, six-tenths of a percent of our listeners who voted and said that academics would be the reason
1: they would transfer. Yeah.
2: I'd love to meet those people. Academics, because I'd love
1: to live in the world in which they live. Academics has gone out the window, I'm afraid, in every, every form or fashion when it comes to uh, to college sports. If you want to join us, 888 898 South Carolina – Education, lottery, lucky number. We need to give a shout-out and a hello to the Wofford basketball team, Chris. How about them?
2: Huge win last night. They were down double digits in the second half. No, 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 this afternoon. Oh, that was. That's right. It was earlier today. Came Mm -hmm. back in and beat the uh, Texas Aggies out in College Station. That's the sixth win over a Power 5 program for Wofford since 2017. And basically what that tells me is this is going to be the last time that Wofford plays a Power 5 program in quite some time. And they're doing it now under the uh, tutelage of interim head coach Dwight Perry, who took over for Jay McCauley, who was uh, kicked to the side by Wofford uh, back right before the Coastal game. Mm-hmm. And he's gone; they've gone 3-1 since. Their only loss was at Georgia Southern a couple of weekends ago. But, yeah, huge win for them. And I'll tell you, after seeing the College of Charleston last night out close and personal – We've got some really good basketball teams in our state. We just don't pay as much attention to them because they don't play basketball in Clemson or Columbia. <laughs> uh, on the men side anyway. But those 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 two teams. Well, whoa! Well, well, well. good. I and will, the
1: college is really good. I will say Clemson, uh they are they are um schizophrenic. Mm-hmm, I mean, no doubt. they they can look really really good and then they can look really really bad. Now, they play Georgia Tech tomorrow night in Atlanta. They got a chance to go to 2 and 0. Oh in the acc to get a win uh in atlanta tomorrow night
2: that would be a huge way to start the acc play because i thought you know they start the season in conference play so early now uh, especially on the acc side for them to get to 2-0 in the league before christmas that'd be huge for brad brownells bunch. that's a, that's a big ball game for them but i'm telling you phil if there are three other teams better than the college of charleston in the colonial that league is going to be insanely good mm-hmm. because the college is outstanding. Pat Pat Kelsey has really resurrected that program. He's done it, like everybody else now, with a lot of transfers on that squad. He's got three graduates, uh, transfers that start in his starting five. He plays ten guys, and they play hard, and they shoot the ball extremely well. They hit 14 threes last night against Coastal. I mean, they, they are good on both ends of the floor, and that's going to be a fun team to watch as they get into Colonial play here right after the
1: holidays. All right, Pat, what you got? Well, I need to
3: gather gather myself real quick here. I was try, trying to trying to fight through the tears, fellas. Corn, oh, corn, this bringing up like a
1: a a, pre, a planned production.
3: Corn bringing up a minute ago that uh, that horrible end to that Patriots Raiders game. And you know, for my fantasy football fans oh. and, and players out there, Chris, you'll get what I'm saying here. In the playoffs, I was down by 3.1 points.
6: I have Ramondre Stevenson
3: as one of my starting running backs. And on that last play, he earned me 3.2 plays with his 32-yard run before an ill-advised lateral, which then negated the 3.2 points, meaning I then lost and my fantasy football season is over. So, Ramondre Stevenson,
1: thank you. Yeah, bad beat. Bad, bad <laughs> so you gained. See, I don't do fantasy football. Okay, my fantasies are have other things, you know, <laughs> dominating them. But not not male, not big old ugly football players. But um, so you're telling me you gained when he took the ball and ran and made a mm. bunch of yards. But That's then right. when he threw it back.
3: I then lost all those points. All yeah. that was gone. All that was Wiped gone. Out. Yeah, I was down by 3.1. You get a point – I'm sorry, one-tenth of a point for every yard. So, for every 10 yards you're running back, for example, every 10 yards they gain, you get one point.
1: So, you see, he, he statistically, yards, t- so statistically that counts as a loss against him, him throwing the ball back and it being intercepted. That counts against his yardage. Just
3: the, the stats – the final stats for that play, I believe – only go to the person that ends up with the ball. Mm -hmm. So he does not get any credit for for running that. He would have had 32 yards, but once he then got rid of the ball, like let's let's say the person, the the Patriots player, his teammate, that he initially pitched it to, I think it was Jacoby Myers, if he had then stepped out of bounds, Jacoby Myers would have been the one that was credited with the yardage on that play, not Ramondre Stevenson. So the moment he pitched that ball – all points gained on that on that particular play went out the window. So I was yelling at the TV wow. in exuberance, so excited. <laughs> Couldn't believe I just had that crazy comeback win on the final play of the game. And I went from celebrating to yelling, and I had to go take a walk around the block. I got my dog on a leash, went and took a walk around the block in total silence, just didn't say a word. That sounds worse
1: than a recruiting flip. I mean, that really oh, yeah. sounds worse than a recruiting flip. Having a guy all locked up, he goes in to sign, he signs with somebody else. I mean, yeah. that sounds even more painful than that. Well, so. especially and with Phil, all your if, buddies, yeah.
3: It's just, you, and, you, go
1: ahead, Phil. Chris, Chris sorry.
2: I was just going to say, Pat, and Pat will agree with this. Uh, Phil, if anybody ever asks you why the NFL is as popular as it is, Pat just told you why. Yeah, yeah. Fantasy, fantasy football. football. The, yep. Fantasy football, the gambling side of the coin, there are reasons you can watch NFL football if you don't care about a particular team. You being a Packers fan, mm-hmm. you could watch the uh, the Panthers play this weekend and couldn't care who, less who wins or loses. But because you've got uh, you know, Sam Darnold, I would hope you wouldn't, but you, let's just say you had Sam Darnold as your quarterback, you're going to be paying attention to find out how he does mm-hmm. because that helps your fantasy team.
1: Sure. Right, let's take the quick phone call, and then we'll get to uh, recruiting. We'll get recruiting on here early, and then after 7 o'clock, uh, Chuck Reedy, Ellis Johnson. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about the ins and outs of recruiting. Hank in Columbia, welcome in to Sports Talk. How are you, sir?
7: I'm doing fine, I'm going.
1: Yes, sir. How are you?
7: Hey, I'm doing fine. I wanted to comment about your poll that you, you've been talking about. Yes, sir. Uh, and the, the academic issue, You barely, even if it was before NIL, you rarely see anybody uh, transfer for academic issues. Um, if they were playing football, other than your grad transfers who are looking for a place uh, to get their major that they want, uh, so it, it kind of makes sense. That one percent is probably the one percent of kids who actually have an academic difficulty at their former pro- at their former school, so therefore they end up transferring out, transferring down, taking that that sit out year to to get themselves back in shape.
1: Uh, Well, I mean, yeah, no, I I don't know. Maybe before all this easy transfer became available, guys uh, who who left to go somewhere else thought about their academics, thought about how this was going to impact them academically, uh, how much longer they would have to spend in college, how many of their credits are going to transfer. Do guys today even think about how many credits are going to transfer to wherever they go, especially when you're transferring for the third or fourth time, well, how do they keep up with the credits? I mean, well, Corn, I'll tell you
7: what the issue going on there. The issue going on there is when when they started to open up the money before the NIL. When they started to open up the money for these teams, mm-hmm. you had you remember when Clemson and they opened up Vickery Hall in South Carolina with the Doty. Mm-hmm. A lot of these players, you come in and they took they they have a red shirt because so they're not one that's starting and in the team. And then they play their first year and the second year, and a lot of these players are graduating in three years. So you had all these players. Remember, uh, Tommy Bell used to brag about it all the time. They'd have like 30, 40 guys on the team that graduated in three years. So actually when they start these transfer things, they're just for gra- their grad school to grad
1: school. Well, that's how it started, the transfer rule. Yeah. As far as the graduate transfer rule, it was to help you find a place that offers your desired Graduate degree, and you would get a pass and be able to play right away. But I mean, I'm talking about the guys who are on their third or fourth transfer, and we have those. Yeah, but most of them,
7: most of those guys, corn. That's what I was saying. Most, a lot of those guys came here. Like you take a starter came here. Remember the one reason he couldn't get here early was because he was going to graduate from Oklahoma before coming here.
6: Mm-hmm.
7: So when you leave and you go from one grad school. To the next, as we know with so many online grad schools and all this other stuff going on, Mm -hmm. the academic hit is not as nearly as bad as it is if you were undergrad like a
1: freshman. Okay. I understand what you're saying there. Yep. It still doesn't change the point that the people answering the poll question believe that academics is just a complete afterthought when it comes to making (laughs) a decision to move. Whether it's as a graduate student or three years or one year, it's either NIL or it's it's playing time. Those seem to be the driving issues in the minds of the public who answer the poll question. Thank you very much, Hank. Always good hearing from you. Let's hit the break. Come back and get recruiting. Want to make way for uh, Chuck and Ellis in our second hour. Looking forward to it. And if you have a question for Chuck or Ellis related to recruiting that we might not touch on, a point you want to bring up, Feel free to call us in the next hour. 888 898 2525, the number. We'll be back in a moment. We're with Major Billy Downer of DNR. Of course, South Carolina is great for the hunters, Major. What do the hunters need to remember before they get out in the fields? It seems
4: like every other show we're talking about hunting safety of some sort. One thing we want hunters in this state to remember is always identify your target and what lies beyond it. Make sure before you pull that trigger that you know what you're looking at. Whether it's a turkey during turkey season or a deer during deer season, you know your identifying features of your game. You know what's
1: beyond that target in case you miss. Learn more about the great outdoors in South Carolina with Major Billy Downer on SC Wild here on the Sports Talk Media Network.
0: It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program.
5: Hope, life, and the Great Palmetto. What do these things have in common? Scholarship dollars. The SC Hope, the life, and the Palmetto Fellow Scholarships are funded by the lottery players of this great state. And after 20 years, you've invested over $7 billion in education. $7 billion. Impressive. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win.
1: on sports talk here on the the sports talk media network and want to get to recruiting here and um i have to do this let's see trying to figure something out here i'm trying to think and do at the same time now that is really really tough for me but i think we're i think i got what i what i want here i've got video of uh, for those of you watching the stream got video of uh, trey knox uh playing on our stream on twitter youtube facebook uh, so you can look at him highlights of him uh i'm just trying to make sure we haven't muted ourselves pat that's what i was trying to do i think we're okay i don't see the but i'm hoping that that audio in the background is not uh playing and covering us up you figure that out while i figure this out uh recruiting is brought to you by sea wells where the taste the flavor is never muted Okay, it's always on high volume when you go to Seawells. The food is, you know, we talk so much, Chris, about how much you can eat. But it's not about quantity. It's about quality, right? Yeah, I've heard you go in there and talk about filling up your plate two or three times.
2: The food is so good at Sea Wells. So I can go through once, maybe go back for a little small second sampling, but the food is so good, I get filled up pretty quickly, and you don't have to stuff your face for hours at a time because uh, the quality is uh, far outseeds quantity.
1: Yes, so we invite you to get to Sea Wells. Now, the uh, daily luncheon buffet, the uh, last one for this week is tomorrow. And then they're off for the holidays, am I right about that, Pat? Was it Wednesday? Was going to be the last of the buffets this week?
3: Yeah, that's right. And it'll be a roast
1: beef Wednesday tomorrow with nice. carved, roasted sirloin of beef along with southern oh, fried chicken whoa. and fried flounder. So they're giving you a holiday treat before the holiday. So get over there tomorrow. Yeah, you'll be sorry if you don't. Eleven to two, and of course the best in the catering business at Sea Wells as well. Eight zero three seven seven one seven three. 85 is the number. So in our recruiting report tonight, South Carolina, as we mentioned, picked up two more commitments thus far today from a pair of tight ends. Transfer Trey Knox from Arkansas. 6'6, 230. I'm sorry. He is uh, let's see, where did I where did I put him? Trey Knox. Where are you? 6'5-245. Trey Knox is 6'5-245. Transfer from Arkansas. And transfers from uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, is his hometown. Made an official visit to USC last weekend. Announced his commitment uh, this weekend. You know about his ties to USC through the the two coaches, Step and Loggins. Highly regarded receiver coming out of high school, and uh, at Arkansas he played in forty-five games, started twenty-nine, had eighty-one catches, eight hundred ninety-two yards, and nine touchdowns. Career-long reception, 49 yards, came in his freshman year. Against the Gamecocks, he played one game, and that was this year. He had one catch for five yards against the Gamecocks. Season high this year against Cincinnati, he caught six for 75 yards and two touchdowns. And then, right as we were going on the air tonight, the commitment came from another tight end, 6'6", 233, Reed McKeska, Cypress, Texas, And he's a former Clemson commit, most recently a commitment to Miami, Alabama, Texas Tech, LSU, Miami, Florida, Michigan State, North Carolina, Baylor, Auburn, Tennessee, some of the others involved with him in the process. Made an official to USC over the weekend. He also visited USC back in November for the Tennessee game. And so uh, that gives the Gamecocks now five tight ends in the class. They're losing four. And they've got five uh, committed at this point, as I mentioned. From what Hale McGranahan reported from the Big Spur, Joshua Simon, 6'4", 235 of Western Kentucky, as Hale put it, it's a matter of not if, but when he commits to South Carolina after he plays in his bowl game on Wednesday. And again, they still have a tight end they're recruiting who's committed to Arkansas, and there's still uh, Nick Harbor, who is a tight end defensive end type of player. So the Gamecocks are loading up at that position. They might get more good news tonight. Defensive tackle Elijah Davis of wagner sally and East Mississippi Junior College can announce his commitment at 8 on social media. The Gamecocks expected to get the nod over Tennessee, Florida, Alabama, and others. The latest on South Florence quarterback Lenoris Sellers. Last night, Georgia Tech, his newest offer, that came in last night, but he told us the team trying to crash the party between Syracuse and USC is Liberty. Jamie Chadwell <laughs> had offered while he was at Coastal Carolina. He's kept up his recruiting efforts and has Sellers' attention at the least. Uh, Sellers said on Monday he talked to uh, coaches from USC, Syracuse, Liberty, and Georgia Tech. From the Gamecocks, Shane Beamer, Taylor Edwards, Dowell Loggins, Justin Stepp, Torian Gray from Syracuse, Dino Babers, and Jason Beck. He's been a Syracuse commitment. As of last night, he put his final decision uh, where he was on making it at a six on a scale of 10. And he's going to sign Wednesday morning and send the papers to the school. The school has agreed not to release his name because he has a public announcement planned for his school Friday morning at 1130. How USA- in the world are they going to keep that quiet for 48 hours? Well, I mean, they're, they're going to try. You yeah. know, I mean, they have, I mean... They've given their word that they're going to do that, and so I'm sure they're going to stick to it. The key is, well, the, the school not getting him, and they'll know they don't get him. Or are they going to put it out there? Are they Are going to leak it, you know, just to right. be spiteful? USC target linebacker Cameron Robinson set the sign at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. He went to USC over the weekend. He's been committed to Virginia. He also visited Florida State. He was in a Virginia uniform in his tweet. USC commitment safety Vicari swain said last night he'll sign wednesday his official visit uh colorado over the weekend uh he said went fine but the gamecocks still hold the edge he says i'm still more leaning to south carolina because i'm committed but i'm going to pray on it usc target wide receiver edwin joseph went to louisville over the weekend so here's still uh, who's available on the usc board we mentioned joseph and there's another wide receiver caden lee the uh, other tight end available on their board, Shamar Easter. He's not signing till February. Running back, Dominique Richardson, a transfer from Oklahoma State. Offensive tackle, Oliver Tosin Babalade, who could do something at any time. And I mentioned Nick Harbor, who's not doing anything until February. Clemson's remaining high school target, running back, Jamarius Haynes, is going to sign tomorrow. Some thought he might go in February, but he's going to wait and uh, he's going to do it tomorrow. Um, Strong indications for Clemson. Former USC offensive lineman Jordan Davis was offered by Massachusetts and Buffalo. Former USC safety R.J. Roderick was offered by James Madison, Liberty, and Western Michigan. And uh, let's see. USC is in the top 13 with 2024 defensive back Tyson White of Buford, Georgia, in the top 12 with wide receiver Keelan Adams of Virginia Beach. And uh, Northwestern wide receiver Elijah Caldwell decommitted from West Virginia and told us today uh, he's had some uh, contact from South Carolina since decommitting. Cornerback Zay Wells of Sumter and Palmetto Prep committed to Western Carolina. Back in a moment. Welcome back
0: to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888 898 2525. That's triple eight eight nine eight twenty-five twenty five. Now back to Phil Chris and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk
1: on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network, here on the eve of NSD December. Glad you're with us. Remember to be with us uh, tomorrow. Follow along on our website, sportstalksc.com, our Twitter at SportsTalkSc. As we um, – oh, wait a minute. We've got breaking news here for South Carolina as we come back on the air. Oluwatosin Babbalati has recommitted to South Carolina. Wow. Just coming out. Oluwatosin Babalati recommits to the Gamecocks after decommitting uh, just the other day. So that's great pickup again for South Carolina. They really liked him early on when he uh, originally committed to them, and now he has uh, – Recommitted to to uh, the Gamecocks, and that's that's uh, perfect timing as we get our guests lined up. Let me mention a couple of other things that have happened here in the last little bit. Uh, USC safety Devonnie Reed is declared for the NFL draft. So um, I don't think he was going to play in the bowl game anyway, right? Wasn't he hurt, as I recall?
2: I don't remember, but I believe that is correct.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's see, there's a couple of other things here I wanted to mention. That uh, didn't get to earlier. Let's see um, if I can find them here. Uh, former USC offensive lineman Jordan Davis offered by Massachusetts. Did I mention that earlier? Yeah, I'll mention it again. Uh, the Gamecocks offered 2025 tight end Devon Mitchell out of Allen, Texas. Uh, former USC commitment offensive tackle Isaiah Jada took a visit to Colorado. He also visited Auburn and BYU. We'll see where he ends up uh, tomorrow. And, uh, let's see. Bill, while you're looking, Devonnie Reed
3: found here. It uh, looked like Beamer had, Coach Beamer had mentioned on Monday that Reed's status for the Gator Bowl was questionable due, due to an injury. I'm not sure if it's that same injury going back to earlier in the year with his hip, but uh, his status was already unclear for the bowl game. And Devonnie Reed noticed in his announcement he did not specify whether he's
1: going to still play in the bowl game or not. Yeah, I don't think he is. I, I think he's moving on. Would be my guess. And All right. Phil, quick mm-hmm. quick point
2: yeah. before we get to uh, our coaches. Quick point on Lenora Sellers. If he sticks with his Syracuse commitments, I'm going to have to tip my cap to that young man. Because that that's showing a lot of integrity on his part because that was where he wanted to go initially. And for him to go through, especially here in the state, what he's had to deal with, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing that the Gamecocks are pursuing him, and now with Liberty jumping into fold with Jamie Chadwell up there, I think it's great he's getting all this kind of attention. But can you imagine how pressure-packed his decision is And if he sticks with his original commitment – especially considering what we're seeing happen where players quit the day of the bowl game and Mm -hmm. won't play. And here's a guy who has stuck with his commitment for, gosh, seven, eight, nine months. It's awfully impressive for a young man.
1: And, you know, here's the other thing we have to remember, too, as we bring in the coaches, and that is, okay, you commit, you're signing, but if you're not happy, you can leave. Sure. You can leave before the season, for that matter. We've seen that happen. We've seen guys from recruiting classes hit the portal before they even get to – the first season. So let's welcome in, with all that, let's welcome in a couple of veterans from uh, days gone by when recruiting was done gentlemanly, right? Everybody had honor, a handshake, a commitment was as strong as oak, as they say. Uh, Never, never was the case. Uh, Let's welcome in Chuck Reedy and Coach uh, Ellis Johnson, another edition of Chalk Talk. But tonight, breaking down The world, the science, the job of recruiting. Guys, thank you for being with us. We really appreciate it. This is something I thought about the other day, and I said, man, if I can get these two guys with us, we can have some fun here on National Signing Day Eve of December uh, talking about things, and uh, happy holidays to the two of you. Uh, Chuck, when you uh, were were recruiting for Clemson and Baylor and and the other schools, South Carolina, for a brief time, when you went out to evaluate – Prospects. What What did you look for in an offensive prospect that you might recruit?
8: Well, <laughs> obviously, you're looking for the physical attributes. You're you know you're looking for size and speed. But you know the thing that that we focused more on. You know, what kind of player? I mean, how did they play? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've seen a lot of guys that that looked the part. You know, in, in, in the weight room. Um, and, and looked good getting off the bus, but they didn't play well. So, you know, we were more focused on guys that were productive, um, you know, and, and guys that, that, that played well as opposed to just, you know, what, what the numbers said about them.
1: How about you, Ellis, when you went out and, and, you know, most of your years on the defensive side, uh, except when you were a head coach, what did you look for when you were looking at talent? How would you define somebody that you would want to recruit?
4: Well, it depends on position, obviously. But you know, really, when I first started, you know, when Chuck and I started recruiting, we didn't have cell phones. I don't even think they had cars. And Chuck, Chuck's older than me, and uh, I don't think they had cars back then. They rode horses. But, uh, all joking aside, you know, you, you were looking for certain physical characteristics and talent, it depend on the position. And my first time to learn and, and observe was with Bobby Ross at Citadel. There's nobody more meticulous than. this fashion than him, uh, but just like Chuck said, we had all these uh, physical attributes, height, weight, and we had a high and a low in each one, and it gave a coach, if he, let's say he was a receiver coach, it gave him an idea what the offensive line coach wanted because the position coaches and head coach put those those attributes down there, but like Chuck said, the one thing that would uh, trump it all is what kind of player was he? So he may be a little too short, but if he's good enough, he's good enough. He may be a step slow, but if he's good enough, he's good enough. So you, you really have to kind of trust your eyes as an evaluator.
1: Well, let me ask both of you, uh, Ellis, I'll start with you. In your situations, uh, when there, when you bring a, a prospect uh, to the recruiting room, I guess, and you're talking about prospects, and you've got a guy, and, and you like him, and you're pushing him, but who makes the final call on whether to – a, offer this guy, and then B, eventually take his commitment if he wants to come. From your experience, how did it work?
4: Well, first of all, you know, we're talking about recruiting, but we always felt like there were two aspects. First, of all, you got evaluation, and then you recruit. But recruiting to me was always, we got to go get this guy. But you didn't recruit him, you know, unless you thought they were good enough, and that's evaluation. Uh, the final. Paul needs to be the head coach. But I do think the most important person who evaluates the guy and makes the decision is the position coach. Uh, area coaches in their geographical areas, they're critical because they're the one that's been seeing the kid probably for two or three years, going in the coach's office, establishing a, a relationship, which is huge in recruiting. And so, you know, it's, it's certainly a kind of a team aspect. But when you start trying to decide, are they good enough? Now, you know, my wife could have seen Clowney, hmm. and you we know, didn't need to bring that one back and evaluate it. <laughs> but they're not all like that. So, you know, Chuck recruited William Perry. I mean, he didn't need to take him back because four. Hmm. So, you know, you you have those kind, but the vast majority of the kids you recruit, you're choosing between two or three guys, which one you think's the best? And can we get him? So it's kind of a team effort, but the head man needs to be the final call.
1: How about if, with your experience, Chuck, especially back in the day uh, dealing with Danny Ford and you know trying to get certain guys, uh, and, and he had a vision, I guess, for what he was looking for. Uh, how did you deal with that, and, and who made the final call there with you guys at Clemson?
8: Well, Danny relied a lot on the – you know, on, on the assistant coaches, you know, to make the evaluations and make the recommendations. But obviously he was the one that would make that call. And uh, I do remember um, there was a time when, you know, Curly Hallman was with us and, and Bill Oliver at that time, I think was at Alabama or somewhere. And I remember Curly saying, well, you know, brother Brother thinks he's really good. And Danny said, I don't give a damn what brother thinks. What do you think? You know, I'm paying you. I'm paying you to make that decision. I don't care what brother thinks. You know, so that, that, was, you know, that was Danny's, uh, ad, you know, that was the way. But he obviously, the head coach, is the one that ultimately makes the decision. Now, if, if I can share a story with you, um, we, we had a guy, uh, Don Denning was on our staff way back in the mid-'80s. And he was recruiting a guy named Terry Allen uh, out of Georgia, <laughs> and uh, you know Terry Allen was undersized and and not very fast, and uh, you know he wasn't high on our list at all, and uh, but Don Denning really liked him. Mm-hmm. Well, Danny was Danny was coaching out in the the Hula Bowl or whatever that that bowl is was out there at the time, and. Uh, Terry Allen committed to us. And Danny called me and said, Who is Terry Allen?
1: (laughs) Who is is Terry Allen?
8: All all I know is Don Denning said he was going to take him as a defensive back, and he committed to us. So it turned out to be pretty good, but Danny wasn't real happy when he heard about it. Yeah,
1: that was – and that just goes to show you the recruiting game. You never know, you know, what you're gonna get. You might think you got the greatest thing in the world. I mean you guys signed Chuck a uh, the most highly touted option quarterback of his time, uh, in Michael Carr and yeah. didn't work out. He got hurt and other things and yeah. it looked like when you guys signed him, you were set at quarterback, you know, for the next four years with Uh-oh. this guy that he was gonna take off.
8: Yeah, I mean, we, you know, uh, I was down there for all of his playoff games and everything, and, and it was a coaching, coaching convention. I mean, it was Notre Dame and Tennessee when they were really good. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I mean, everybody. I mean, you know, we, we thought we hit the jackpot, but like you said, he got there and hurt his knee in in fall practice, and he just never, never was the same. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, but, you know, that happens.
1: Yes, it does. Talking with Ellis Johnson, Chuck Ritty. Ellis, how do you begin the process of getting a kid to commit? Okay, you've been recruiting him. It's you and it's several other big-time programs. His head is spinning. He's got family. He's got high school friends, coaches, everybody in his ear. How do you pull a guy across the finish line?
4: Well, I guess if you get to that point, most of the time it doesn't end that way. But when it does, those are probably the most difficult. And you kind of try to look for what's holding the kid up. And if he's just a kid who you can't make decisions, you get somebody real close to him and say, hey, he's got to do this, or whatever, you know, if you can find a hook, yeah. it's, it's going to tell the kid what to do. Uh, but if, if it's something he's hesitant about it, you know, I'm not sure I fit in your scheme. I don't know if I'll be happy being there for four years. I don't like big towns or, because there's nothing to do here. This is out in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes they'll tell you what's, what's their hang up and you can address it. When they're just wishy-washy and all over the place, you need to know who's got the key and who's the hook. And uh, you should have found that out a long time before that time.
1: That is, in your opinion, is that like one of the most important parts of the recruiting process and eventually winning the player is like knowing who in his background to, to talk to, to help influence him.
4: No doubt. I remember I'll tell you a good story. I was recruiting Stephon and Clyde Wren, everybody on the show knows who Clyde Wren is. He said, I said, I can't find out who he's close to. He said, Who's his
6: girlfriend?
4: I said, Coach, I don't know. He said, Find who he eats lunch with. So I called my buddy, who was the attendance officer there, vice principal, who was helping me behind the scenes. And I said,
7: who's he eating lunch with? He said, Coach, I've been trying to tell you. I said, you got a girlfriend he hangs out with? He said, Coach, I've been trying to tell you for two months. He eats lunch with me. (laughs) He gets his lunch, and he brings it to my office, and we eat lunch every day. I said, hell, I had the hook all along. And I
1: didn't know it. <laughs> well, Chuck, now, and I'm sure you agree with everything Ellis is saying. Uh, when do you pull the hook? When in the process? I mean, is it is it a uniform thing, or is it case by case when you have to become like the aggressor and and really, you know, close the deal with somebody?
8: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it's uniform. I think every every everyone is different and. um you know, I personally I, I didn't like to pressure a kid. You know, I I didn't like that approach. I mean, I think like Ellis is saying, you want somebody else, other than than you, to be the one that's pushing him or, or prodding him. But um, you know, there'll there'll come a time, and and back back in the day, back me, I mean, you know, it it, it worked its way up to you know, to getting close to signing day. I mean, and, you know, it was you know, everybody was making decisions. I mean, and 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 they knew that it was time to make a decision. Usually, I mean, they didn't, you know, unless it was hurtle or you know, or you know, some of those guys that we recruited that drug it out. But mm-hmm. um, it, you know, it just it, it kind of flowed. And and you know, you got into January, and you know, you started getting in. You know, post to signing day, and and everybody's you know they hadn't already committed. They're making their decisions, and and then you you know obviously you know you got to know who you know who your competition is you know i mean you know who is it that you're you know, that you're competing with um, and you know but again i didn't i don't think you can i don't think you can push a kid you know to to make a decision you know to to go to your school i, I didn't feel that that was the way to do it all
1: right guys hang on going to hit a quick break we'll come back with more here on our national signing day december eve special edition of chalk talk talking recruiting with two of the best in their day they could probably still recruit i know ellis is, is still recruiting it's just not football players anymore and uh two of the best in their day we'll continue with them after this break here on sports talk
5: in columbia south carolina the game days are our specialty Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty barbecue. We're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com.
0: It's what's for dinner in South Carolina, funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program.
2: Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount, expect not to win, and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com.
1: All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk on the eve of National Signing Day December. Good to have you with us, Chuck Reedy, Ellis Johnson, talking recruiting and the ins and outs. And behind the scenes, what happens when you're trying to convince a 17-, 18-year-old to to come to your place? And, you know, things are different now than when they were uh, at the top of their game because, I mean, you know, you can – well, you're not supposed to, but you know the talk of the the NIL and the money is flowing out there big time. Uh, Chuck, let me ask you this. We see a lot of really good – running backs in particular who who pile up a bunch of yards and people are wondering. In fact, we had a caller off the air asking about a running back and uh, why is this guy not being recruited? How important is speed? And, and when we see a player with all these great stats but he's not being recruited by the big time schools is it usually because they don't believe or he doesn't test out to have the kind of speed they think they need? That's
4: probably the case. Speed is, speed is
8: very for, for all the skill positions, you know, on both sides of the ball, obviously. Um, the, the thing about a running back, uh, the one thing that, that you, you you can't test is vision. And and, and that's, you know, if you, you watch them and watch them, you know, watch how they, they read their blocks and they, they see, you know, they see things, you know, the really good ones, I mean, they see it. And when they see it, they have the speed – to accelerate and take advantage of it when it's there, and um, you know that was—I'll never forget when the first time I looked at Kenny Flowers on on on, on uh, well tape. I guess it was, I don't even know what it was back then. Film.
6: <laughs>
1: you know. I a mean, you know, P ticker. I mean, you got a little A P yeah. ticker
8: tape. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I, I mean, it didn't take me, you know, ten seconds. I mean, and you saw it, I mean, because he had great vision. I mean, he could see it, and, you know, and, of course, he was a, you know, he was a 9'5", you know, 100 sprinter, 100-yard 100 guy, um, you know. But, you know, those were the things. But, yeah, speed obviously is important. And, you know, you get high school guys that, that run for a bunch of yards, but, you know they, they don't have the, you know, they don't have the speed or they don't have the vision that it takes to be, a, you know, a great college back.
1: How about you, Ellis? Uh, you, you coach linebackers quite a bit. Was speed the number one priority for you, or were you more interested in a guy that could, could run okay, but you you wanted somebody who was big, physical, strong, who could uh, fill the hole and stuff the run?
4: Great question, especially with the two of us on, because back when we first started, it wasn't a space game like it is now. now. It's still played in the box, but the ball is out in the perimeter so much more now. So just specifically to a linebacker, you know, you used to have to go find somebody new who was physical enough to take on a fullback about 10 times a game or, yeah. or a drive block from an offensive guard and get off the block and maybe make a physical tackle. And not that any of that is unimportant now, but everything's in space. If you can't play coverage and you can't tackle in space, uh, you can't play linebacker in, in big-time college football today. So the thing I always looked for was length and, and speed and physicality. Uh, obviously they can't be 150 pounds, but they can't play, you know, one of my last jobs. And so that you're just constantly looking for these guys that have leap and they don't have to be six foot. They could have long arms. Uh, and they have to have an element of physicality, whether they're 195 pounds or they're 235. If they're physical, they're physical. Uh, but the speed and the space and all that was so important. And it, it grew and grew as, as the game changed over the years.
1: okay we're visiting with uh yeah. ellis johnson and uh chuck reedy here on uh, sports talk and uh, Chris, I think you had a question for oh, the coaches. Oh, i sorry. Yeah, I was <laughs> I trying to give you said, your give you your I space there.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate the space. Uh, guys, obviously, the uh, probably the biggest recruiting story in the state heading into tomorrow is what Lenoris Sellers is going to do. The uh, quarterback from South Florence Shrine Bowl member who has been committed to uh, Syracuse for many many months, but the Gamecocks are making a, a late push on him. When you had a player you felt like was pretty solid in your commitment, in his commitment to your program, but then you started seeing, especially home state teams, start coming in and putting us, I'd hate to use the term, but no other way around it, some pressure on him to stay at home and come play them. Guys, does your recruiting pitch change, or do you just continue to stress what you did well to get him committed in the first place? Well,
8: uh, I guess I'll answer first, but uh, they – you know, I think you better just keep doing the things that you did to begin with. Now, and, and of course, you know, this, this was Ellis and I were uh, obviously way before NIL. So, you know, I don't know how that comes into play, but I'm sure it does. But, um, you know, a guy like Norris, I mean, you know, he, he it's very commendable that, that he, you know, has stuck with his commitment to Syracuse but, you know, looking long term, you know, if I'm South Carolina, I mean, obviously you're going to sell him on the idea, hey, you know, you're from the state and, you know, and it's going to be a lot more beneficial to you to to, to go to the University of South Carolina than it is to go to Syracuse. And, you know, I'm, I'm anxious. I don't know anything about it, but I'm anxious to see what he's going to do tomorrow because it is an interesting, um, you know, situation. A guy that wasn't very heavily recruited and and now, you know, obviously is is getting a lot of attention.
1: Yeah. He had a massive year, 5,000, about 5,000 total yards and 67 touchdowns. He accounted for finalists for Mr. Football, MVP, one of them in the, uh, in the Shrine Bowl. I want to pick up on this. Got to go to a break here, guys, a hard break. So if you'll hang on or y'all can relax for a couple of minutes, we'll come back to you. We really appreciate your time. We're extending you into overtime. And uh, I know we're pushing bedtime as well, and uh, but just hang in there with us. We'll come back after the break. And Ellis, I want to get your thoughts on the same thing, kind of on the same lines, talking about Lenora Sellers and making a change and and pulling a kid who's been committed somewhere else. I Want to talk with you about maybe the ethics of that and how you feel about that from an ethics standpoint. We'll be back in just a moment. with you here on sports talk it's our eve of national signing day december special as we talk recruiting with chuck reedy and ellis johnson great to have these two uh, terrific uh, football men two terrific recruiters uh, with us here for another uh, 25 minutes or so with one more break in between just to recap what has happened today for south carolina the gamecocks have had a had a fabulous day Uh, trey knox uh, committed uh, Reed McKeska committed. Oluwatosin Babaladi committed. And tonight, 8 o'clock, right around there, they might very well get Elijah Davis as well. That's four big ones for those guys going into signing day. Ellis, how much uh, is momentum in recruiting an important thing when you're going into signing day, the way the Gamecocks have built it up at this point?
4: I think those things are some sometimes unpredictable. And and in some ways unimportant. It's good pub, you know. It gets the fan base fired up, and it's you know I think it's you know, I guess you know from a standpoint of morally, you know, getting excited and all that kind of thing. Most of the time, something like that happens because there's one kid that jumps in the boat, and he's a leader, or he's a kid, and a lot of other kids don't want to play ball, and so you know it's obviously a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, coaches always say, well, I'd, I'd rather have nine in the boat. About a month ago, and have them locked down. And we don't have to go through all this stress and <laughs> guessing and throwing darts at people at the late hour to see if they'll come back. Uh, but, but I think it's always a good thing anytime you have momentum.
1: So, Chris brought up the case of Lenora Sellers, who's been committed for a long time to Syracuse. He first was committed to Virginia. And then when they lost their two offensive coaches that he was dealing with, and they went to Syracuse, then he committed to Syracuse. Now, one of their coaches has gone to NC State, but they promoted the other one to OC and QB coach Jason Beck. So he's still there. Uh, So he's committed to Syracuse. And so my question for the two of you, and I'll start with you, Ellis. I mean, one thing, you know, Dabo Dabo Sweeney, and I'll I'll bring him his – his thinking into this when you commit to him he forbids you from taking any other official visits I mean he says don't commit unless you're ready to shut it down Um, which I think is an excellent approach he doesn't worry about his guys decommitting for the most part he still has them from time to time but for the most part they stick they don't take other official visits he pieces his class together and they're good to go and they sign them all nice neat and clean on signing day with really not a whole heck of a lot of drama unless somebody's just holding out until signing day. But recruiting a guy who's committed somewhere else, I mean, I know it's part of the game, but do you think it's ethical? I mean, when it, I know in basketball it seems like they leave you alone. When you commit to somebody, most basketball coaches back off. Why don't football coaches do that, Ellis? I, I
4: don't know. I, I think commits are so overrated. It's, you know, I really don't think a whole lot of them. But I mean, basically, your, your rule is, hey, if you want to commit, you can commit. But when you commit, you're telling me you're going to come here, and I'm going to hold you a scholarship, and I'm not going to recruit Joe or Sam in your spot. Now, you want to go take a visit, you're not committed, and I'm not taking you commit. And that's as simple as that. That's basically what Davos say. I don't know if it's an ethical thing so much as, you know, it's a process by which kid either knows what he wants to do or he's just trying to hold something and run over and see if there's a little bit better piece of cake somewhere else and and you know i, I just don't think you know you, you accept it and, and if you, even, you don't tell him that you better go ahead and mark it down he's not committed he wouldn't be in other places if it was firm and uh you know that, that's the only way i feel about that and as far as ethics uh i think it's admirable like Chuck said a kid kind of makes a choice and sticks with it, tells you two things about him. He's probably a very dependable kid, and he probably made a good decision because he knew what he was looking for. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I don't keep up with the players that much anymore, so I cannot evaluate or get an opinion on him, where he fits in the best, et cetera. But it could be a lot of that. I mean, he, he may not get to play quarterback in Carolina. Who knows? I don't know what his talent is. I don't know what type of quarterback he is. So I really can't make a statement on that sure one of the things i think I, I love your chuck's opinion on this but one of the things now i think is so different than when we were coming through and it changed even when we were recruiting but the two aspects we used to be able to sign the players in person and they all wanted you there hmm. and, and then the head coaches could be there you're talking about trying to set something up on signing day because if you went to sign one on at 10 10 a.m. And he found out you signed the other one earlier than him and they get their feelings hurt. I mean, it was an absolute chaotic time. And I think the other thing is so different now in the process or the calendar, if you will, it used to be real compressed back when we was first started. It was a 30 to 20 day just, you know, it was just absolute chaos and stress and go, 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 go from January to the signing day. I mean, it's not really like that anymore. It's spread out with these two-sided dates. And it's, it's still stressful, I'm sure. I'm sure those guys are on pins and needles at signing time. But it was a little bit different deal back then. I mean, January and February used to be absolutely draining.
1: Chuck, what about you from the question of ethics? Um, back in the day, I mean, did you guys – did you follow ethics? Did you feel bad if a guy was recruited – some uh, committed somewhere else, but you came in? And maybe tried to turn him and try to convince him to, to come to your school? Did you keep your hands off? How did you approach it?
8: Well, I mean, you know, I, I think we all just, you know, if if a guy was, was a firm commitment and if a guy told me, Coach, you know, I appreciate, you know, you 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 know, you all recruiting me, but I'm gonna go to X school, then I I I let it go. You know. Now, you know, if, if he left the door open you know, well, I think I'm going to go here, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm still in, you know, whatever, then, then you would pursue it. But, you know, I didn't want to waste my time on a guy that was committed to someone else. <laughs> I figured I better be out trying to find somebody that I could get, <laughs> not try to flip some guy, you know, and, and the, the, the odds of doing that aren't real good. I mean, you know, there seems to be more of it now, but there, there seems to be a lot less loyalty right now. Um, you know, in in all of college football, um, so but back then, you know, no, I, I don't. We didn't try to flip many of them. I don't remember that happening. Um, now, tell you how old I am. I, I was around when we when we had the the early signing day uh, in in December for the the Southern letter of intent and Phil, I don't even know if you remember that. I don't. Well, I knew <laughs> that was that was another. I mean, and, and it was the best, most it was the most fun because it was on it was on the Saturday that the Super Bowl was played. Huh. So we signed a bunch of guys in sharp after the game.
1: You mean the Shrine Bowl? But the Shrine Bowl. Yeah. yeah,
8: yeah, yeah. No, we we would be out there and sign them. They would. We'd sign them after the game. Now that was the Southern letter of intent which was, I think, the second uh, Saturday uh, in in December, it was only binding for the SEC and the ACC and independence independents down here. Uh, And that was changed sometime probably in 82 or 83.
1: Now, I can remember.
8: I I
4: digress. (laughs) I
1: I was going to say, you bring up the Shrine Bowl guys, and I can remember, Chuck, when you you were at Clemson, and maybe, Ellis, you were involved in this as well, with one of your schools. Um, But I I can remember Danny Ford in particular and your entire staff setting up camp. They used to house the players at the Holiday Inn um, in downtown Charlotte. And you guys would would basically live there at the hotel the entire week. Danny Ford would do his bowl press conference while there. And Clyde used to tell me that he would get with the uh, Shrine Bowl people and arrange the, the roommates, so that Clemson yep. commitments were rooming with players that they wanted who were uncommitted. Is all that true?
8: That is true. And, <laughs> and I was going to say about Le- uh, the North, um, the best thing South Carolina has going for them was that he was in the Shrine Bowl and, and, and they had an opportunity to recruit him. Their, their other commitments did for a whole week. Mm-hmm. That That's momentum. If you won't talk about momentum, you got, I don't know how many – South Carolina commitments they had up there, but if they had five or six of them and they're in his ear every day, you know, now, you know, that can help you. And, um, you know, we'll see if it does or not. But, no, the Slime the Bowl, and Ellis remembers it well, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it, it was a, a week of, of, you know, just hanging out there and all you do stand there and, you know, let them see you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just walk by and there we were, you know, but, um, no, and, and you're right. Clyde would, he'd have them matched up where we had people in their ear. The ones that we were trying to recruit.
1: Yeah. Ellis, do you remember much hanging around the holiday Inn there at the Shrine Bowl?
4: Very well. And part of the time I, I was a high school coach and then part of the time, you know, went into college coaching and the rules had changed too much. So we still did that and. Chuck can correct me, but I think early on, you could you could meet with them. You could chat with them uh, as long as they had been released from practice, I think. And then they cut out all contacts off campus other than school visits or home visits or something. But And it was one of the most fun times when I first got into coaching, uh, and we would go up there and stay two or three days as a high school coach, and it was, just, it was almost like a vacation. And even later when I was in college, Coach, uh, that time up there was as good or as fun, for networking and being around guys in profession and talking ball and swapping ideas and things as any national convention or or state clinic I ever
1: went to. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I can remember too. They used to for the media. I mean, we'd hang around all day, and the players would come back to the hotel, and you could grab them after lunch and do the interviews around that pool and everything like that, and really press them on what was going on with their recruiting. That, that was a good time. But I always felt like Ellis that Clemson during the Ford era, because they were so successful, maybe one of the big reasons they were so good in recruiting in the Carolinas was that week that, because no other staff was there. What were there Chuck? I don't recall any other staff yeah, setting up but, camp there. You know,
8: later on, you know, South Carolina, North Carolina, they started you know having more um, of a presence. But you know, we were we were ahead of the game. I mean, Danny was ahead. Of, you know, and Danny was great at that kind of stuff. And you know, he he'd lay down on the sideline, <laughs> watch, the practice, oh, you know? <laughs> like, lay down on a lay down on a blocking dummy or something. You know, and 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 of course, you know, all the high school coaches were drawn to him. I mean, but but he, you know, I mean, he was a presence. And it was obvious that he was a presence, and, and everybody knew it. And uh, and no, I mean it certainly helped us because you know it, it was a big deal for us. And, and like I said, we of course we got a lot of. That's when we were doing really well in South Carolina, and all you know doing and also recruiting well in North Carolina.
1: Yeah. All right, we got to hit a quick uh, break, our final one, guys, and we'll come back and wrap it up, and maybe ask you about your your best recruiting story of your of your career that you might recall. That you want to share with us. Because I know the, the two of you, you recruited some some big timers over the over the years. Maybe you got a story you want to share with us about somebody you got or maybe you didn't get. We'd love to hear it. We'll get to that in just a moment. Chalk talk with Chuck Reedy, Ellis Johnson.
5: Coming back in just a moment. Founders Federal Credit Union knows your life is busy and your money is important. We are proud to offer local personalized services and convenient online services like Founders Online and the Founders app. You'll love being with us as much as we love serving you. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership with Founders. Relax. Win with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA.
3: You were always more than my mom. You were my role model, my best friend, and biggest supporter. You filled my days with unconditional love. And you also prepared for the day when you couldn't be here. Because of the woman you were back then, I'm able to be the woman I am now. Your planning made this moment possible.
7: Set your family up for life. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance. Your friends for life.
3: Life
2: insurance isn't for you. It's for those you love the most. For a complete insurance review, call Buddy Bridges in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174. Serving Lawrence, Clinton, and the shores of Lake Greenwood. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company,
5: Jackson, Mississippi. Not licensed to do business in all 50 states. (laughs)
1: Final minutes here with Chuck Reedy, Ellis Johnson. Guys, we really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Always enjoy chopping up recruiting with you guys. So let's just talk about we got about eight or nine minutes. Let's, let's just talk about, um, you know, a couple of the great wins or losses that you had in recruiting. Uh, you know, Ellis, everybody knows that uh, you were the front guy for those Rock Hill fellas, in particular Clowney. And I guess, was Clowney the biggest of your career? Was he the biggest, highly recruited? most talked about recruit that you ever that you ever snared
4: well of course it was I mean it was the number one recruit in America consensus and he chose a school that had never won anything but one ACC title in the history of the program mm-hmm. and for him to, to decide to come to South Carolina was huge uh, it, it, was, it wasn't easy um, but the thing that you know had a lot of advantages first of first I was in state but the biggest thing on that was, I got Stefan two years earlier. And in that town, Stefan was Jim Thorpe. The parents, the other players, everybody was just admired him and respected him. And I don't think I could have got him without Stefan. Uh, there were a lot of other folks involved too though. And it, it wasn't the most entertaining or fun story in recruiting, but yeah, it, it, that was obviously the biggest
1: catch. Did it drive you crazy that he waited until Valentine's Day, like 14 days after signing day or something like that, carried this thing out? And was there any period of time there after signing day until he officially announced and signed that you thought maybe he might do something else?
4: Well, a player like him and all the attention he was getting, and, of course, coaches couldn't just keep contacting him once. Signing day passed as sort of a dead period or some kind of thing. But all these recruiting services were still hitting. And so you don't know who all is getting in his ear. I kind of knew what he was thinking about doing. That was his birthday, and he he always said he might do it. I kept trying to tell him, "Don't do it, don't <laughs> do it." But I knew he, he wasn't listening to me. So I told Stefan to try to get him through, but he, he didn't listen to him on that one either. But he did that sort of as a thing on on his birthday, February
6: Fourteenth, Valentine's
4: Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was nerve wracking. But I had some people up there. Uh,
1: Working the crowd, if you will, keeping an eye on it. Chuck, of course, uh, we know William Perry, uh, Herschel Walker. Uh, we talked about Michael Carr, who at the time was the number one rated option quarterback in the country. Um, who would you say was your the biggest one? Was it uh, Was it Herschel? Was it Was it William yeah. Perry? Who, who Who would you say?
8: Well, I mean, well, obviously Herschel. You know. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what his ranking was, but I mean, he was certainly uh, recruited by everybody in the country. Um, and you've heard the Herschel Walker story, I mm. think. Yeah. Well, you want me to repeat it or not?
1: Well, the folks <laughs> might not know it, so yeah, if you can give us the short version. I definitely want to hear it. Yeah. yeah. If you give okay. us a sh- are you well, talking I'm about sure the sure. black po- the black Trans Am story, or the bag yeah, of money?
8: Yeah. So the back the the, the black Trans. <laughs> that, the names will be story. changed no,
1: the old, I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, it, we, can, t- we uh, can, you can give names because everybody involved in this deal is practically oh. dead. So except for you, so well, you, you can give names.
8: Uh, no, Mike <laughs> Evans still living, but you, know, <laughs> you uh, just it, dropped a okay name. <laughs> it, it's okay. Well, Mike, and I are good friends, so it doesn't matter. But yeah. Uh, you know, he was the first guy. That was the first year that I was recruiting. Uh, I mean, so I was a young guy, and and Ellis will remember this. You used to have a like a, a a prospect sheet that you would get. The the recruiting people would bring it down to you. But I've got this, and I see this guy six foot, two hundred ten pounds, run to four or five. So that's the first place I went was Wrightsville when I went on the road. And I so I recruited him all of his end of his junior year, and and went to every one of his games as a senior. And he came he came to our camp, came to he came to several games early in the year, and actually told us early in the year he was going to come to Clemson. But uh, every time I would go, I'd go to Florida and recruit, then I'd come back by there on Friday afternoon before the game and hang out. And he he drove an old black Ford, and that old black Ford would be parked there at the old gym, and I'd pull in and go in there, talk to the coaches and, you know, hang out and whatever till the game. Well, went through the whole season. They're in the playoffs. We're in December now. <laughs> and I, we've been there and there's a brand new shiny black Trans parked <laughs> in, in front of the gym. And I said, well, oh, must be some college coach or something. <laughs> so I walked in the coach said, well, how do you like Herschel's new car? <laughs> 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 uh-huh. I mean, I about choked. I mean, I, I might as well have just gone right on back to Clemson because, I mean, it was all over at that point. But, you know, it was a Georgia town. They were, I mean, the police would follow me around because, you know, they, it was, you know, there was nobody from Clemson there. And we never had a chance.
5: I thought we did, but we didn't.
1: I have known, but anyway. That's great. The old transit. <laughs> Let me ask you both this final question. We've got about two minutes. Considering the world of college sports today, in particular college football, and what it takes to recruit and all that, Chuck, if you were to do it all again, if you were a 22 year old looking to get into college football, I mean, would you? Would you do it? Would you want to go through what they have to go through today? Well,
8: I mean it's a great profession, and, and certainly you know I would I would love would love to go through it again. But the way it is now, it's a totally different game than what Ellis and I were a part of. I mean I can't. I mean with the transfer portal and the recruiting, you know I don't. It's a whole different animal, and you know I I don't I don't understand any of it because I'm not involved. I think it would be very difficult.
1: Yeah, it pretty much, Ellis, today's coaches are pretty much tied up 24 hours a day recruiting. Uh, w- would you enjoy that?
4: Well, I don't know if they're any more tied up in it than we were when we were doing it the right way and staying on top of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's just a lot of things have changed about how much you can be off campus, and, and it's less now than it used to be. It used to be more in-person stuff, more traveling. Uh, it was a drain, okay, and I made a joke earlier about cell phones, we didn't have cell phones for a long time, and you talk about something that makes it easier, but now a lot of it's done with them coming on your campus, and then the NIL thing, to me, I mean, we just got through talking about some funny things that happened in recruiting, and there's always been an NIL, quote NIL, going on, it's just been who could sneak around, and do this and do that and do that? I'm not so sure it's not easier on those guys from that standpoint now, because I mean you go in and the high school coach tells you what the kid's gonna get if he goes to these other two schools, and then you find out if your school is gonna belly up or if they're just gonna walk away and quit. Mm. So that part I, I don't know. But the thing that amazes me, Phil, we got the portal, we got kids running in and out of programs. You don't know who's gonna be on the roster next year. You got opt-outs, don't want to go to bowl games. You got kids wanting to you know, get a better NIL deal, and recruiting signing day is still an exciting time. It just seems to mesmerize fans, and I almost find it astonishing because I'm afraid that signing day has been diminished. Now, it's still important, still very important, but it's been diminished a lot by the portal and all the transferring going on.
1: You're exactly right, because you're excited tomorrow, you think you got this great group, but let's face it, a large percentage of them aren't going to be with you two years down the road. That's just what the numbers are saying now. Guys are bailing for whatever reason, and what you put all that work into to piece together tomorrow, a lot of that's not going to be there in a year or two for whatever reason. Guys, we can't thank you enough. We hope you have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, look forward to talking to you after the holidays about the uh, the upcoming bowl games, and we thank you so much. Ellis, thank you, sir. Enjoyed it, Phil. Always yeah, a Chris. pleasure. Chuck, thank you very much, my friend. Yes, sir, Phil, thank you. Appreciate and it, Coach. And, uh, y'all have thank a- you all very much. Thank you. Love talking to these guys, two of the best ever. Stay, uh, stand on the sideline in uh, South Carolina. Uh, thank you, Chris, and thank you, Pat. Yes, and Thank you, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow night from Dave & Buster's here in Columbia.